This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. All right, good evening or good afternoon, everyone. Um, I want to express how appreciative I am of this opportunity to share with you guys. Uh, the title of our seminar is The Great Controversy and the Neophyte. And it's simply the great controversy for someone who uh, may be new to uh, the great controversy and may not have uh, heard it before or gotten a chance to go in depth with in depth about it. And so we're just going to spend some time, need to get this situated. We're just going to spend some time uh, studying uh, what we call, what we're calling the different scenes of a particular passage of scripture. And we're using a parable found in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And I want you to turn to, uh, we're going to look at verses 24 through 30. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. And when you have it, will you say amen? Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. I'm sorry, ver yeah, verse 24 to 30. Amen, amen. Hearing those amens, good. Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. And we're actually going to read, you can read along in your Bible. I'm going to read it from uh, the screen up here. But before we do that, I invite you to pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word. I pray and I ask that you would give us wisdom and clarity and insight. And I pray, Lord, that as we engage in this study, that we will not just learn good information, but that it will cause us to be transformed as well. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30, the Bible says another parable he put forth to them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have what everybody? How does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my born. Let those who believe the word say amen. amen. Now, watch this. What we're going to focus on scene four, what we're going to focus on is this verse right here, verses 27 in the first part of verse 28, where it says, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So just a very quick review, a very quick overview from the first 
uh, seminar to this one right now. Just want to highlight the different characters, the different characters, the different people that are in this particular parable. First, we have an owner who goes out and sow. Who is the owner of the field? Jesus. All right. Jesus is the owner of the field and the field represents. We said earlier the field represents Well, the Bible says the, earth, the, uh, the field represents the world. But we also see how the field represents from a great controversy perspective, from a more universal perspective. We also see that the field represents the entire universe. All right. And when we talk about the fact that he, he sold, we talk about how God created the entire universe. Again, we're looking at this pa this this passage and, and, and we're seeing it from the from the perspective of the great controversy. So you have the son of God, the son of man who is sowing or who has created uh, good seed. Right. Nothing bad about it. All the seed is good. Right. And and, and, and unfortunately, as as the servants of the creator, as the servants of the creator, look and see at. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You sold good seed. Well, why is it that there are tares? So there's this 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 question now. All right. And that's precisely <clears throat> what we're going to deal with. Now, as I look at this passage and as we look at this passage together, what has the work of the enemy caused the servants to do? Question, right? Question what? Talk to me. Come on. Say what? Question Jesus. OK. Specifically question what? Right. The, one more time. The nature of the tares. What else? Somebody will say something. The outcome. There we go. 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 The 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 enemy has caused the servants to look at the field and say, wait a minute. I thought you sold good seed. Right. In other words, this question has created uh, in a sense, in essence, rather uh, a controversy. You said uh, we saw you sow one thing. Or at least you, you, you. Yeah. Yeah. We did see it because we see it. We're talking about the angels now. We, we, we saw you. sow one thing we saw you create one thing. But when we look at the outcome, when we look at the results, we're seeing tears. So how is it that these tears have come about? In other words, the enemy has created a controversy. All right. So now let me ask you this question. What is controversy? We're talking now. What is controversy? Somebody help me define Controversy. What is controversy? Definitions. What, what, what? A conflict. Okay, a conflict. What else? What else? Yes, ma'am. Something that contradicts itself. Okay, all right. Anybody else? What is controversy? A struggle between good and evil. Okay. Anybody else want to take a shot at it? Controversy. What exactly is controversy? All right. Let me let me uh, just by way of, of, of example, I was in uh, I shop at Walmart. Uh, it's probably the only place where you can buy good groceries where I live at. Uh, so I shop at Walmart. And, and, and as, I, as I'm walking through Walmart, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm noticing all of these all of these these guys wearing or these pictures of these guys wearing fatigue. And they have bandanas on. And I'm trying to figure out. Well, why, why, why do you, and it seems to be pictures of them all over the place. 
And I'm trying to figure out who, what, what, what is this all about, right? And, and, and let, me, let me show you this picture. You ever see these guys here? They have this, this, this ranch or this compound, I don't know what you call it. They're very rich, they have a lot of land, and they have a TV show uh, called Duck Dynasty, right? I don't know what they do. I've never seen the TV show. I don't know what goes on there. But if you walk through Walmart, you're going to see a whole bunch of Duck Dynasty stuff. And I just saw it all over the place. And sometimes I figure out what, you know, what, what, what is this all about? And then, and then, and then I started seeing on the Internet, you know, different websites, be it CNN or Fox or uh, Huffington Post or you know, different news outlets where there was a controversy between something that a gentleman, one, I, think, I think it was this guy here. He made a comment about homosexuality, right? He was, he was just, he just straight, you know, blasted it. Essentially, he said what the Bible says about it, okay? Now, how he went about saying it, that's up for question, but he said what the Bible says about homosexuality. And as I read, as I read the story, it was ultimately saying that uh, the, the TV station wanted to get rid of him because he created a controversy. Okay, he created a controversy. Now, just for basic, for just for uh, uh, definition's sake, uh, a controversy is essentially a disagreement, typically when prolonged, uh, public, and heated. All right, that's what kind of uh, controversy this guy created in the public. Okay, but essentially, uh, a controversy is a discussion that's marked especially by the expression of what opposing views, right? So when you have this side over here saying one thing and this side over here saying another thing about the same exact thing, you have a controversy going on. There's a conflict between two opinions about one particular thing. There are a lot of controversies in our church today. Hello, somebody. Whether or not women should be ordained. Is that, an, is that not a controversy going on right now? Right. We, we experience and we deal with controversies all the time. There's a there, there's a controversy that's based on what this guy was saying from Duck Dynasty, you know, about this whole, you know, the whole gay movement, if you will. Everybody's coming out being gay and it's socially uh, becoming the norm. Like you get you get praise for it. Like, wow, great job. Controversy. Right now, 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 with all these controversies, OK, we're going to deal today with the controversy of controversies. What is that? Well, this question right here is God's character really what he claims it is. That's the basis of the great controversy. Is God's character really what he claims it is? Is God really who he say he is? Is God really good? Now, 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 we saw you sowing good seed. We saw it, right? We witnessed it. But, but, but something has happened uh, uh, to the field that makes me question whether or not this seed sower is really good. Maybe, maybe he has some tricks up his sleeve that we, didn't, uh, that we didn't know about that caused these tears to come up. That's the controversy of controversy. And if God is so good, if the sower is so good, then why is the world so bad? 
Why did thousands and ten thousands of people lose their lives in the Philippines? Why is it? Why is why is that Hurricane Katrina came and destroyed the lives and, 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 and the properties and, and, and everything of so many people? Why is it that the tsunami came and, and, and killed hundreds of thousands of, of innocent little children? Why is why is this? The, uh, why is why are children, little girls being sold as as slaves in sex trafficking? If the sower is so good, why do we why is the world so bad? Is he really good? Is God really love? As Jesus explains in this parable, he says, look, an enemy has done this. He says an enemy has done this. And we're going to look today. We're going to look today uh, just briefly of you know, at, at some of the work at some of the work of the enemy. Now, I want to tell you about this program that I just learned about. And I just think it's just like the most amazing program that you can ever get. OK, when it comes to graphics. Right. This program called Photoshop. Anybody familiar with Photoshop? <laughs> yeah. Some of you guys, some of you guys know Photoshop. You probably use Photoshop. I, I, you know, I was I mean, studying. I was I was looking at I was looking at um, some pictures. You know, I have a camera and, 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 a, uh, and a video camera. I kind of I, I just like that whole you know, realm of technology. Right. So so I learned about this program called Photoshop. And I learned that you can just like you, you can you can distort images and you can restore images. Oh, that's a sermon right there. Y'all not listening to me. That's a whole nother sermon. OK, that's another sermon. I'm going to give you a little bit of it today. OK, I'm going to give you a little bit of it today. But look, but you can you can distort images and you can restore images. Right. So I saw this image. I saw this image that somebody did. You know, they use Photoshop. Watch this. Watch this. Y'all ready? You sure? OK, watch this. Huh? Email it to Obama. <laughs> right? What, what's, what's wrong with this picture? Huh? Obama is Michelle, and Michelle is what? Barack? What, what? Barack is Michelle, and Michelle is Barack. Yeah. Both of them Obama. Right? Both, both, both of them are, are Obama. But look, see, see, this, this is the power of Photoshop. Right. You can distort images or you can restore images. All right. Now, 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 if you don't have Photoshop, Photoshop is expensive. Come on, somebody. Photoshop is expensive. You got to have some money to buy Photoshop. OK, so if you don't have Photoshop, there's this thing called photo booth. Come on, somebody. Come on, say amen for photo booth. It's free. It's F-R-E-E. -E. Well, you got to buy the You got to buy the iPad, though, if you're going to get photo booth. All right. But watch this. Watch this. Uh, on, on photo booth, you can take something, and let me let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Okay, now somebody tell me who's that gentleman there? Anybody know who that is? The pastor who was here before. Okay, what about what, what about what about this guy right here? Anybody? Do you know that guy? Some people know him. Some people can identify him. Okay, what about what what about this guy here? Can you say it's the same person? Okay. What about this fella? That's me. You think? You, do you really think that's me? 
huh? It's me distorted. Now, now, watch this. Uh, uh, Pastor Moise, could you come up for a second? I want to utilize you real quick. This is my, my, my good friend, Pastor Moise. Let's give it up for him as he's coming up. Thank you so much, sir, for allowing us to, to utilize you. All right, now, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go, let's go here. Come on. There we go. Okay, now, now. Is this Pastor Moise? It, it is a what? It's a distortion of him. Is it really him, though? It's him, but it's a distortion of him. Okay, how do we know? The central elements are there that are him. What else? We know, oh, come on, we know the original. She said, look, she said, we know the original. And here's the original right here. So I can look at this, right? And know that this is not the real him. Why? Because I see the original right here. I'm familiar with the original. Now, if anybody in here, y'all gonna help me preach this today. If anybody in here knows who this really is and knows that this is not really him, is the father of Pastor Moise. His father sitting back here. Right? Can you raise your hand, Dad? All right. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to call you up. All right. Look, look. If, if, if anybody, if, it, if anyone is in doubt as to whether or not this is the real Moise, talk to the father. Y'all going to let me get excited by myself. You're going to let me get excited all by myself. Look, 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 look. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I'm, let me keep going. Let me keep going because we got to, I don't want to spend all day on this. Look, watch this. Thank you. Appreciate your time. We got to, yes, sir. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to take his point. We're going to take his point. Okay. So we just talked about the real. We just talked about the real about the real Moise. Now watch this. Watch this. Satan has done everything he can to distort God's character. When you look at the passage that we read. Did you really so good see God? And so now the servants, those who were loyal to God, those who were faithful to God, the, 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 the children of God are now questioning whether or not God is really good. And it's based on distortions. It's based on what, everybody? It's based on distortion. So what kind of distortions? What kind of distortions has the enemy done to God's character? First of all, the enemy has said that God is too strict. If you serve God, you're going to have to put a straight jacket on. You can't do what you want to do. So why serve him? He's too strict. Look at all these laws. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Before I became a Christian, before I became a Christian, my house burned down. I, 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 I talked about this in the first presentation. My house burned down when I was 16 years old. Uh, I moved in with a seven-day Adventist family. They let me and my family come and live with them. I didn't grow up in a seven-day Adventist church. I had no clue about the Bible, about God, about Adventism, no clue anything about that. I was in the street smoking, drinking, partying, robbing, stealing, started using drugs when I was 12 years old. I moved out of my house. Well, my house house burned down, so we moved into this Adventist home, and they let us come and live with them. That's your amen Q. You just missed it, though. So, 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 so while, we, while we're living in this house now, uh, uh, um, they, they were loving on us, praise God. They were, they were, they were blessing us. They, they, were really, they were really showing us, uh, uh, you know, what, what it means to be a Christian. 
However, because of my unconverted mind and, listen carefully, and because there were people in the church who was not living according to the same lifestyle that the Bible says, they by their lifestyle were distorting the image of God. I thank God that I had a family who I was living with who was a little bit more consistent. Before men and angels, people are watching. People are watching. And I was watching. Same girl. OK, you in the club. You let, you know, you, I mean, you, you at night, Friday, Saturday night, you at the club. But at church that, uh, you know, you was lifting, holding hands and shouting, all that kind of stuff. So, 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 so by, by the contradiction in your lifestyle, you're contradicting the God who you claim to be so good. So as I'm looking on, I'm looking at a distorted image of God. So you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that if I come to God, then I, I have to stop doing stuff that I want to do. He's too strict, so don't serve him. That's a distortion. That's one distortion. What other distortions? Well, God is an angry God. He's like mad. It's like all the time, he's just, you do something wrong, you know, like, like, like God out there, like God played quarterback. You know, before I became a Christian, I played football. I was in sports, all that stuff, but I played quarterback, right? Well, the role of the quarterback, you know, he's he, he supposed to pass the ball to people, right? So, 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 so some, people, some people have this image of God, like he's a quarterback, but he's he, he not throwing a football, he's throwing lightning bolts. Like, as soon as you make a mistake, like, bow! <laughs> See, shouldn't have ate that cheese. Like for real, like God, like God is this, 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 this strict, just mean, just angry person, just mad all the time. I found this picture online. <laughs> it says, it says, worship me or I'll torture you forever. Have a nice day. Love God. <laughs> but that's that's yeah, the, the, the enemy. The enemy has used this idea of God being an angry God. There's a sermon by a guy by a guy named by, by the name of, of Jonathan Edwards, I believe his name was. He had a sermon called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. Like you want to torture people into serving God. That's a distortion of who God really is. Not only that, not only that. But, but, but God is an unforgiving God. He, oh, he, if you sin, if you make a mistake, if you fail, if you fall, what, you know, it, God is just not going to forgive you. He's too mad and too angry at you, so he's not going to forgive you. I don't want to serve a God like that. The devil knows that. But when I read my Bible, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, come on, somebody. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. That's the kind of God we serve. But the enemy says, look, he's an unforgiving God. Hey, man, you don't you don't want to serve an unforgiving God. You make a mistake, you know. And unfortunately, unfortunately, there are some people in our church. There are some people in our churches who have this, 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 this mindset, this mindset. How do I know? How do I know? Because I've seen young ladies have a child out of wedlock. Come on, somebody. I've seen young ladies have a child out of wedlock and, and the church come down on them. Oh, I believe in church discipline. Absolutely. OK, but when we have a meeting to talk about church discipline, unfortunately, we just have a meeting to talk about church discipline and we don't have a meeting, a prayer meeting for that young lady. 
Why? Because, 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 because somewhere, 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 somewhere deep within this idea of God being unforgiving is present. Don't get me wrong. I believe in church discipline, but I believe in church discipline that is redemptive. That restores people. That lets people know, hey, look, yeah, hey, God, God don't play with sin. And as a church, look, we're not going to, we, we can't condone, we cannot condone sinful behavior that is public, that we know about. Okay? But, but, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to have these, we're going to have these women uh, uh, here who love Jesus and they care about you and they're going to be there for you. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, that's 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 different. That's different. I don't I don't I don't want to subscribe. I don't want to subscribe to a God who is unforgiving, who, who even though I make mistakes, even though I fail, even though I fall, even though I have issues, he can't forgive me. So the enemy uses that to distort the image of God. Ultimately, what he's saying, look, hey, God is distant because he's, you know, he, he's unforgiving and he's angry. Right. He's all that stuff because he way out there. He like way out there and you way down here. So he can't he can't feel you. He he doesn't understand what you're going through. He's such a distant God. And because he's so because he is so distant, such a great distance from you. You might well distance yourself from him. Some people believe in what they call the the. uh, 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 the time clock theory, you know, like God, he created the world. Okay, he's a creator. They acknowledge that he's the creator. He created the world. Okay, but when he created the world, he did it so like a clock. Like he just, okay, the world is created now. And once you create a clock, the clock just starts ticking. It's ticking on its own. He's not involved. He's not intertwined with what's going on. His, his hand is not moving the things that take place in the earth. Therefore, things like Daniel chapter 2, where, where nations are being aligned. Oh, God, not into that. No, 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 no. But when I read my Bible, my Bible tells me that we serve a God who's so distant, he can count the very hairs on your head. Like, that's number one gazillion and 35 right there. Yeah, yeah, we serve a God who, is, who, who, who says, come unto me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. You, we, we serve a God who says, come to me, and I will no wise, in no wise cast you out. We serve a God who says, draw nigh to me and I will what? Draw nigh unto you. He's not a distant God. He's an up close God. He's an in your face God. But that's another image that the enemy uses to distort the character of God. Ultimately, what he's saying is God is selfish. He wants things done his way. And only his way, because just because he says so, because he's he's arbitrary, he doesn't have any reason or logic behind the, the laws that he create. He just wants you to just do everything that he wants to do. And you don't have any freedom. If you know that's a lie, come on, say amen. We have the freedom of choice and he wants that freedom of choice to be based on love. Yes, sir. You're going to preach my seminar, man. 
We're going to preach my seminar. You're right, brother. You're right. You are absolutely right. We're going, we're going there. We're going there. All right. So we just looked at five different five different distortions of of the image of God. OK, we looked at five different distortions of the image of God. And I have this question for you. What is the goal of Satan's distortion of God's character? Like what, what is he getting at? What's his goal? What's his point? Why, why does he why would he distort God's character? To do what? To lead you away from him. OK, beautiful, beautiful. Anybody else? Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you something. I would be an atheist if I believed in the same God that the atheists believe in. You understand what I'm saying? Because because unfortunately, they bought into some of those distortions. I wouldn't want to serve a God like that either. Somebody was saying something over here. Ooh, to bring, you've been looking at my notes. Now and then, all right. He said to bring about doubt, all right? He said to bring about doubt. Let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. All right, answer to the question. The aim of Satan's distortions is to create what, everybody? It's to create doubt about God's character to keep us from a relationship with God. He doesn't want he doesn't he, he doesn't want you. He doesn't want you to, 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 to really experience God. He doesn't want you to have an authentic relationship with Jesus. So he goes all out to distort the character of God to keep us away from God. Because he knows, first of all, he knows that he's a defeated foe. He lost at Calvary. He lost before that by the mere fact that God is God. But he understands, he understands, he understands that if I can get folk to, 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 to believe in a false God, they wouldn't want to be in a relationship with him. If I can get folk to, to disregard the Sabbath, which reminds them constantly that there is a creator and that creator is God, I can get them to believe in this thing called evolution. Did God really create the world in six literal days? Like, really? His goal, his goal, his goal, brothers and sisters, is to keep us from having an authentic relationship with Jesus. So every distortion, every distortion or whatever he uses to create doubt in your minds. No, no, no. That his primary goal is to disconnect you. From the relationship, Jesus says, abide me, abide in me and I in you. He doesn't like that. He doesn't want that. So he distorts. He distorts. Now, now, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I want to show you these passages uh, uh, from 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 the spirit of prophecy about how the enemy now uses this doubt. OK, first he creates the doubt. All right. And now he wants to use the doubt. All right. Watch this. Very, very, very interesting um, uh, quotations here. There are in the Bible many things which they now pause. She's referring to people, especially people who are young in the faith. OK, people who are young in the faith. And when they read the Bible, you know, they, they, they are prone to uh, uh, not just people who are young in the faith, but anybody who's prone to skepticism. All right. So so she's talking about that particular crowd. She says there are in the Bible many things which they cannot explain. Right. 
Just some stuff in scripture you can't explain. I have a text to show you that, to, to, to talk about that as well. Or even understand. And Satan employs these to shake their faith in the scriptures as a revelation from God. So he's going to use these he's going to use these things that's difficult to understand now to shake our faith and believe in the fact that the Bible in and of itself is indeed a revelation of God. So let me take a few of these things. OK, miracles, for example. Now, how in the world could Jesus walk on water? Like because I can't explain it. I want to he want to use that now to 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 make to cast doubt upon the rest of the scriptures. If you're still with me, say yes. All right. They ask, how shall I know the right way? If the Bible is indeed the word of God, how can I be free from these doubts and perplexities? Steps of Christ, page 105. Let's keep going. Oh, let's read. Yeah, let's read this. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Turn that with me. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. When you have it, would you say amen? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. <clears throat> we have to say amen. If you need a little while, say wait on me. All right, we're going to wait on you, brother. All right, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Notice, notice now, notice what Peter says about the Apostle Paul. Notice what Peter says about the Apostle Paul. He says in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, and I'm reading, it says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain, contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So what he's saying is, look, yes, indeed, there are some things in the Bible, especially the writings of Paul, that are just difficult to understand. And the devil knows that. The devil knows the Bible better than any of us in here put together. Right. So he takes now those passages of scripture that are hard to understand. And as we are reading it, it begins to cast doubt. On the rest of it. I shared this story this morning. I don't know if you were here or not, but uh, when I first became a Christian, I first gave my life to Jesus. Um, this happened February 1st, 2001, on Thursday morning, about nine o'clock. I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm sitting in my room and about three days after that, I got my hand a hold of some uh, amazing fact study guys. You know, I was a fresh Christian. I was 19 years old. I was away from home. I was at a community college, uh, secular community college. And um, so while I'm there, you know, I, I'm just excited about the Bible. I, you, you, you give me anything related to scripture, I'm going to read it. Right. I was just like just just blazing on fire. One night I had been reading like all the amazing fact study guys, like six hours straight, nonstop, just reading, 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 reading. And then I picked up the Bible and I started reading. I said, you know, I'm going to just read through the Bible. I started reading Genesis chapter one. And I'm reading, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said, let there be light and so on and so forth. And I get down to chapter 26, where it says, then God said, let us make man. I'm like, well, us. Where did us come in at? I thought it was just God. You know, who is us? Where the plural come in? You know, help. 
So, so as, soon as, I, as soon as I read that, and as soon as I, I, I misunderstood it, I didn't understand it, the enemy came in, whoosh. It's literally like the devil was standing over my shoulders and was saying to me, what are you doing reading that book? Come on. See, you can't even understand it. What happened to all the things that I've given you? You were popular, everybody knew you, you had all the girls wanting to be with you, 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 you had money in your pocket, you're always in the club and all this kind of, come on man, what are you doing reading this book? You can't even understand it. That was one of the most scariest moments in my life. I'm a new Christian, three-day-old three Christian. Nobody there, no pastor right there, hey pastor, can you please explain to me what this, uh, nothing. I'm by myself and the enemy is right here. The only thing I could do, I, I, I fell down on my knees and I said, Lord, please, I'm, I'm crying out to God. Lord, I don't want to turn back. I don't want to go back to the old lifestyle that I was living. I need you to help me, Lord. So for about 45 minutes, I'm just like, I, I, I don't even remember what I'm saying. I'm, I'm probably just saying, just help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, gazillion times. I don't know what to do. I'm a new Christian. This whole thing is new to me. So I get off my knees and, and, and I go and I step outside to use the restroom. I step outside my door to use the restroom, and there was a couple of gentlemen right there. They saw me step outside, and they called me over. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. They called me over and said, hey, look, uh, T-Man, come on in. Um, get on this dice game. You know, we used to shoot dice, uh, gambling in, 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 the dorm, in the dormitory. So, 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 <laughs> so when, he, when, they, when they say that, I said, I said, nah, man, don't you know that gambling is a sin? And they said, really? And I said, yeah, man, you know. I started explaining some other stuff. They started asking me questions. And as they asked me these questions, then it's just two guys, and the two guys turn to four guys, and the four guys turn to eight guys, and the eight guys turn to 16 guys, and 16 turn to 32. Within two or three hours, practically the whole dorm is sitting down at my feet, and I'm just preaching the word of God. Now, mind you, I just read all the amazing fact study guys for like six hours straight. <laughs> so they're asking me questions. I tell them about the second coming. I tell them about the mark of the beast. I tell them about the Sabbath. I tell them about the state of the day. I'm telling them about everything. Now, when I think about the fact that I was reading and the enemy stepped in when he saw that I didn't understand, he, he understood he understood that once I get confidence, once we get confidence in the word of God, we become a force of power to wreck his kingdom. He understood. He understood that if Taurus Montgomery gets the understanding of this word, these young men in this dorm, they're going to get an opportunity to hear the word. So I got to make him confused. I got to cast doubt on the word of God. I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to tell you today. This book right here, Lord have mercy. You got to fall in love with the book. You got to fall in love. You look, you got to give up some stuff. You got you to you stop being on Facebook so much. You got to stop tweeting so much. You got to turn the radio off sometime. You got to turn the TV off. Come on, somebody. You got to get off the internet sometime. You got to stop socializing so much. Ain't nothing wrong with socializing, but listen, you have, with the time that we are living in right now, we're living in the midst of the great controversy. You got to spend time with this book. You got to spend time with this book. And it's not the book, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. It's not, this is not, this is not uh, Bible idolatry, because the book points to a person. It points to a person, and that person is loving, that person is kind, that person is amazing, that person loves you. And the enemy wants us to doubt that. So he uses doubt. He uses doubt. 
Even with the, you, you studying the Bible, he steps in. He wants you to doubt. Because he knows that when our confidence rests in the scriptures, there are people God wants us to bless. Come on, say amen. So, 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 so here's, here's another passage. Here's another one. God never asks us to believe without giving sufficient evidence upon which to base our faith. His existence, his character, the truthfulness of his word are all established by testimony that appeals to our reason. And this testimony is abundant. Now watch this. Yet God has never removed the possibility of doubt. Steps to Christ, page 105. I'm sorry I didn't put it up there, but it's the very next paragraph that from the other one. All right. Steps to Christ, page 105. God never removes the possibility of what's that word? He never removes it. Why? Why do you think God never removes the possibility of doubt? Okay. Well, even 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 with the presence of free will. He doesn't want to manipulate. His, he, he doesn't want to manipulate his act of creation. Yes, sir. He didn't make us like robots. He is based on relationship, a relationship of love. Yes, sir. When we conquer our doubt, the more we conquer our doubt, the greater our faith. You know, faith is like a muscle. Just like when you go to the, anybody work out, go to the, you know, you exercise, whether you cardio or you get what I'm saying, right? You got to exercise. And the presence of doubt helps us exercise our faith. So he leaves it there. But he gives an abundance of evidence upon which we can rest our faith. Who says amen? God never moves. He never has. He got, yet God has never removed the possibility of, of doubt. Now, now, now. How much time we got? OK, we're good. Fifteen minutes. OK, so now let's let's look at let's look at a couple of examples in Scripture. Right. Let's 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 look at a couple of examples in Scripture. Oh, that's that, that's where it was right there. All right. Before we go on, let me let me hit this quote. Our faith must rest upon evidence, not demonstration. Those who wish to die will have opportunity while those. Oh, this is what I love. While those who really desire. What's that word, everybody? Desire. Those who really desire to know the truth will find plenty of evidence on which to rest their faith. You got to really desire it, though. You got to really desire it. And some of us, for some of us, our desires, some desires need to change. Some of the things that we desire right now is keeping us from desiring him more. Could be a relationship. Could be it could be it could be climbing in your career. It could be education. Lord, have mercy. There are so many things that are distorting our desires that are messing with our taste buds for scripture. So we have to examine ourselves daily to see whether or not our desires are for the things of God or for the things that please ourselves. 
Satan's use of doubt. All right. Now, Revelation chapter 12 and verse four. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 12 and verse four. Now, the enemy used doubt. I got you. The enemy used doubt when dealing with the angels. And Pastor Moise uh, just shared with us uh, about how the enemy told the angels, hey, look, guys, you guys are super holy. You know, there's no need to be watchful. There's no need for God, you know, because you're already holy. All right. So you don't need to desire God anymore. You are already aware of what it means to be in the presence of God. So you're OK. And because of that, because because that's where they were. The enemy used. Doubt to cause them to question whether God was really good. And he does the same thing with us. Let's, let's keep on going. Adam and Eve. He came to Adam and Eve. Uh, uh, Revelation 12 talks about, 12, 4 talks about, we run, we run out of time, so we won't be able to turn to all the scriptures. Uh, uh, but let's, let, let's, let's do look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 2. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 2. Here's that question. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 2. And let's see what the Bible says. Let's see what the Bible says uh, in terms of how the enemy used doubt when it came to our parents, Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter three and verse two. Can somebody read that for me? Nice and loud. Preacher voice. Anybody? Any volunteers? Yes, sir. Verse two. Verse two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Start with verse one. Did God what? Not, not, not. <laughs> Notice, he doesn't just say, did God say? He said, hey, look, did God really say? Did he, did, he, did he really say that? Like, really? Really raises questions. It intensifies what you're asking. Because, because the insertion... You know, it's not just a question, but the insertion of in, the, the, the insertion of the word really is to create doubt. Are you with me? OK, did God really say that? Next question. Next, keep going. Verse two. Verse three. Now, notice verse four. The devil says again, here you go, inserting that doubt. You will not surely die. Somebody, somebody putting, a, putting an L and a Y at the end of something? <laughs> really? Surely? And unfortunately, unfortunately, he got them, he got them to buy into his lie without flat out Lying to them. Oh, Lord, have mercy. They bought a lie that they didn't know was a lie. That's how lies work. That's how the enemy works. And there are things in our lives that the devil will lie to us on and have us thinking and have us questioning. Did God really say? Did God, did, did, did God really say he had to be an Adventist in order for me to marry him? 
Ooh, y'all got quiet then. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, she does come to church with me. We have Bible study together and everything, Pastor. Did God real? Does God really, really want me to? Do I do I really have to marry somebody who's an Adventist? I mean, they've been going to the Baptist church for all these years, Pastor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do I, is it 10%? Do I really have to return? Is it 10% like all these questions? And the questions, the questions get us, the questions get us, especially nowadays, the questions get us when, when, when we are unfamiliar with what he said. That's when, oh man, we fall to doubt every single time. Well, we don't know what he said in the first place. So the enemy comes along and we fall, we fall victim. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. 406. All right. So Abraham and Sarah. I love this one right here. Abraham and Sarah. Whoa, the story of Abraham and Sarah. We know the story. Uh, uh, God says, look, Abraham, I called you and I'm going to make many nations. I'm going to bless you. Look up at the sky. The amount of stars that you see, that's how large your offspring are going to be. I got you, Abraham. Okay, God. I believe you. You told me you, I'm leaving my land. I'm going to Canaan. Okay, God, I'm, I'm, I believe you. Another, another, another thing that the enemy uses to create doubt is time. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean time? How does he use time? How does he use time? Abraham, God told Abraham this when he was, how old? How old, how old was Abraham <laughs> when God told him that he would have a son? I'm asking y'all. Somebody find that for me. Yeah, this is this is before Isaac. Okay. Let me let, let, let me let, what time we got? Okay, we got we're gonna look forward. We're gonna look forward. I remember the length of time. Sarah was 100. He was 75. Okay, how old was he when Abraham came? I mean, when, when Isaac was born. He was 100. How many years? Lord, have mercy. Isn't that a long time? God said, I'm a, <laughs> you will have a son. I'm going to give you a son. And he's and he's and he's 75 years old. So they like. All right, we're about to have a baby. Well, man, Lord, it's like five years later. Doubt. 
creeps in. Time goes. The more time goes by and the promise is unfulfilled, the more the more we have to cling to what he has promised. God has promised. Jesus promised. Jesus promised. I will come again. Well, wait a minute, Lord, that was in A.D. 33. What? And, 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 and here we are, 2014. I almost said 13. <laughs> right? But because he promised, I'm not going to doubt. Come on, say amen. amen. Because, 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 because when, 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 when the enemy sees a promise of God, he, he, uh, he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. He knows that God's going to fulfill on his word. He knows that. But what he tests is whether or not we're going to stick to that. So doubt comes in. When Abraham doubts and Sarah doubts, hey, look, there's this, this servant called Hagar. We're, gonna, we're, going to pra- we're going to do what is normal to our culture. There are things that God has spoken, and there are things that our culture says that do not agree with each other. I'm talking to us today. There are things that do not agree with each other, and because we don't see what God has promised to become real in our reality, we end up clinging to what the culture has claimed. That's what they did. And so now you have this this child, Ishmael. And a lot of the issues that are taking place in the Middle East right now is a result of someone, Abraham and Sarah, giving in to the enemy's use of doubt. We're talking about years later. There are decisions that you can make right now. If you buy into the enemy's doubt, that would affect your children and your children's children. So we got to cling to the word of God. Let me, we, 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 almost, we almost done. He tried to do the same thing with Jesus. If you are the son of God, that, that, oh, that's a big if. If I can get you to question your identity. Now, Jesus just got up out of the water and heard the heavens open, saw the heavens open and heard God say, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. That's what God spoke. So because Jesus knew what God spoke, Jesus knew who he was. So when the enemy came to cast doubt about who he was, he could say, it is written. I know what I heard. I heard my father's voice and my father said, this is my son. In him, I'm well pleased. Mind you, Jesus hadn't done a thing yet. Oh, that's a sermon right there. Can I just give you a little piece of it? Look, 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 look. God is not looking for us to be great performers. Jesus was just recently baptized. He hadn't done a miracle. He hadn't caused any blind person to see. He hadn't fed 5,000. He had not done a thing. And God says, this is my son and him I'm well pleased. So our life, our relationship with God should not be based on our performance, whether we had personal devotion this morning or whether we did not have personal devotion this morning. Are you still with me? Let's keep going. You and I, we'll always doubt it. We're, 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 I mean, we're always doubt it. We're always, we're always going to be tempted 
to doubt, folks. We're always going to be tempted to doubt. The enemy is going to use everything he can to tempt us to doubt. Now, 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 this is what, this is what I, want, I, want, I want to close off with this right here. I want to close off with this right here. I told you before, I told you before that, <laughs> that, that, that Photoshop can be used to distort or it can be used to restore. Right? So, so watch this. Desire of Ages, page 119. By coming to dwell with us, Jesus was to reveal God both to men and to angels. In other words, Jesus came to Photoshop God. He came to do what I call some image restoration. Jesus says, look, if you have seen me, you have seen an image of the Father. So Photoshop is great. Depends on how you use it. And Jesus came to Photoshop God. I want to close with this. I want to close with this, this question. Close with this question. Jesus said in John 14, verse 9. That's a powerful statement. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Go back to that one. By coming to dwell with us, Jesus was to reveal God both to men and to angels. My question for you this morning, GYC, or this afternoon, GYC, is this. When people look at you and your life and your decisions and the places you go and the things that you watch and the stuff that you listen to, when people look at your life, are they able to say, are you able to say, have you seen me? You see what the character of God looks like. If you've seen me, when, you, when, when, when I walk into the room, when I'm in class with you, when I'm in the cafeteria with you, when I'm at work with you, if you look at my life, you're getting a representation of Jesus. Are you able to say that? Paul was able to say, he said, look, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me, he would say. Man, that's bold. That's bold. I want to get to the point. I want to get to the point. I want to get to the point. I want to get to the point where my life, where I can say to somebody, hey, look, follow me. You won't get to the kingdom. That's biblical. That's biblical. Paul says, follow me. As I follow Christ, I want to get to the point in my life where I can tell people with confidence. Hey, if you if you if you look at the way I, I live my life, man, by the grace of God, I'm going to help you get to the kingdom. Oh, yes, that's a great responsibility. Yes, it's an awesome task. But if Jesus is living in me, are you with me? It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Just by a show of hands, who wants to say, God, I want you to use me to reveal your character to both men and to angels. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to study your word. I pray and I ask, oh God, that 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 you would allow us, oh Lord, to be to be to be used by you. To restore. The distorted images that the enemy has created in the minds of our friends, our family, our co-workers, our fellow students, oh God. Use us, Lord. We want to Photoshop God. We want to reveal your love to everyone we come in contact with. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said amen. Amen, amen.
This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.